0: I'm still sweating because I went <laughs> on a run. I woke up late because it's Memorial Day. And then I went on a run and I had 20 minutes to shower and get down here and get set up to start recording until like I didn't give myself time to cool down. And so I was in the shower sweating. I got out of the shower. I'm sweating. And now I'm sitting here sweating. In fact, I was a couple of minutes late to the recording because I was running around the house like with no shirt on because I was just sweating. <laughs> I was like, just give me a minute. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm still sweating. What's up with you guys? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just went for my morning walk to go get coffee. That's something I committed to doing It's my ramp up to getting healthy. I never walk up here anymore. I get in my car, I drive. In the city, I would walk everywhere. So every morning now I walk about, a, it's about a half a mile walk to get coffee and back. And so I just got back, opened my mail. I'm in a good mood because I opened up all my bills and they weren't crazy. You ever have that pile of mm. bills sitting there? And you're just afraid to open them because you don't know how much each total is going to be. But now that the summer's here, all my bills are a little bit lower because electric <laughs> and heating, everything's like not nearly as much as it would be through the winter. So I'm happy. Happy so about that.
2: What's the update on the fitness thing? So
1: uh, I'm going to weigh in every Sunday night, late every Sunday night. And I weighed in last night at about 1 a.m. and I am at 220. So I lost two pounds. In the nice. last two weeks, I lost two pounds of just dieting and cutting out a lot of carbs and try to do a little bit more physical activity, ramping up to actually really exercising. So I've been doing push-ups and walking. That's really what I've been doing. And it's funny, when I first started doing push-ups, and I know this is gonna sound crazy, I couldn't do like 10. I used to do like 100 in a row. I couldn't do 10, like this go around. The first day I'm like, all right, Hmm. let's stop at 10. And then each day I add a few more, and now I could certainly do like sets of 25 real simply where like that first day I tried this a few weeks ago I was like I am so out of shape it's incredible but the good thing about exercise is it comes back if you just keep working on it so Mm -hmm. I'm feeling good about that and so oh by the way I just spoke with the I just spoke with Jocko and Jocko is my is my partner in crime here in this month Monday morning weigh-in so Jocko and I he said it's okay if I talk about it and then I got uh, a another listener of our podcast, he called me yesterday. We had a long conversation about how we all inspire people, and he says, "Why can't we inspire people to get healthy?" So that's going to be sort of the focus. So, yeah, yeah. I was talking awesome. to Chris about that yesterday, and uh, we're going to try and are going to try and grow this thing for everybody who's interested. Not you, Bob, because you're already there. But, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, what you okay. just talked about. No, seriously. I mean, you're an inspiration to me. you just keep constantly going. And
0: well, but at the same time, let me jump in. I am heavier right now than I've ever been in my life. Oh, yeah. well, not in my my life, but
2: (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but you're shirtless right now. It's like you're showing
0: off. (laughs) I'm not shirtless right now. No, but like recently, I mean, I'm kind of in the same spot because, you know, like health is or or weight at least is kind of relative to where you've been in the past, right? You look at yourself when, you know, 10, 20 years ago and you're like, man, I weighed 20 pounds more than I did back then. Of course you do. That's what happens to bodies. And. I'm I'm a little bit heavier now than I have been. I run less now than I have over the last five or six years. So I'm right there with you. Like yeah. I, I want to do better. I want to get yeah. better at it too. Yeah.
1: Well, that's you know, it's really important that you bring that up because it's our own personal best, which is really what it is. We're trying yeah. to achieve. You know, I look yeah. at myself. I'm like, I only, if I get if I lost 20 pounds, I feel great. Which you know, and you see these people struggling to lose hundreds of pounds, and they lose 100 pounds and they feel great. You know, they go from whatever 500 to 400 and they feel great. And so it's your own personal best. I think is what we really have to focus on. So,
0: Yeah. And like when in running, you know, there are some people who run competitively and they're running against everybody else in the race. There are a very few, a very small group of people that fits in that category. Most people are running against themselves. Right. So when you go to a marathon or a half marathon or a 5k, people are generally trying to beat their previous time. And that's all I ever did with any of the races that I've ever run, is just try to make my time, my personal best, a little bit better. Yeah. Because I can't compete with people who can run four-minute miles. You know, I mean, that's that's nuts. So, and I don't want to try to do that. that would, that's not my goal.
1: Yeah. So that's the update. I lost two pounds. Hopefully, I can keep going. And even though this was a tough weekend, Memorial Day weekend, there was lots of food around, I resisted the mm-hmm. urge to overeat as I typically would. I did overeat a little bit, but I kept it all to proteins and stuff if I could. So,
0: I think my big thing with food like that is um, not really overeating, but sugar. Like I just eat too much sugar. Oh,
1: totally. That's a struggle for yeah. me. I'm like a heroin
0: addict when it comes to sugar. I literally
1: have to have like a piece of chocolate every day. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, so I'll, I'll sometimes I'll buy a candy bar and I'll eat a, a bite of it and throw the rest of it away just to be like, okay, you satisfied that need, mm-hmm. and it could, It's also part of the ritual of going and buying it. Because I used to smoke, so the ritual of buying cigarettes, taking it, open up the back, and dealing with, it, and then light. It. I mean, that whole ritual is part of the the addiction. So me going and buying the candy bar. This, did you guys notice these Hershey bars? They're like gold now. It's got pretzels and salt in it. I buy one and take a Ooh. bite and throw it away. It's the, the best candy bar I've ever. Had. It's a new. It's a, it's a new thing from Hershey's. It's uh, gold. It's called Hershey Gold. It's it's got pretzels
0: crumbled into the chocolate. Really good. I wish that we were sponsored by Hershey. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not. Bread is my weakness. It's they're it's, everywhere. They're like Coca-Cola. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you can't avoid
2: it. Yeah. What were you saying, David? Bread. Carbs. Car- that's my that's my weakness. I don't yeah. crave sugary things that often. Probably as much as maybe a normal person, but it's I love I love bread. I I just and wheat based stuff i just it's it's the carbs that's that's what kills me there's actually a lot of sugar in bread too yeah yeah yeah
1: it's been a big problem for me in the last two weeks i've hardly eaten any
0: bread which is good my uh alexa just heard me say bread and started talking back oh not sure (laughs) what you uh she's on mute now did she order some for you I don't know. Maybe I'll get like a truckload of bread from Amazon here next week. <laughs> cool. Well, Jimmy, I'm proud of you for yeah, uh, you. making progress. That's thank awesome. you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: And then, if I could announce a little bit of work, since I have the stage for a second, I'm super excited. I'm going to be working with Tilson. I'm building a canoe that's going to debut in their store in the fall. So I have, finally have a project to work on. Uh, have a, I have a reason to work on the canoe project. I haven't officially announced it anywhere but here right now, but. I made a deal with Filson and I'm going to build the canoe and it's going to be in their store. They're opening in Union Square, New York in September 23rd. So I'm working against the hard deadline, Got a really big project to work against for the hard deadline. So right after we get off, I'm going to go and start building the strong back, which is the skeleton that the canoe will be built on. So I'm real excited to get started. So.
0: that's awesome are you making a video about the process or yeah yeah. The- yeah i'm
1: gonna do i was gonna do a video series but i think i'm just gonna do like an 18 20 minute video of the build so everything's gonna be hmm. recorded and it might just be like a super fast forward video and with details from you <laughs> 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 but what, what highlight you know with details being highlighted and i'm kind of thinking kind of epically because this will be somewhat of an epic video for me i'm going to build it in my my building right now there's nothing in it except with the cement floor and, you know, some electrical equipment that's being installed. So I'm going to build it in the big empty room. So it's going to be the only thing that's going to be the first project I build in my new studio.
0: Oh, that's cool. It's going to be exciting. I could do drone shots can, of that stuff. Yeah, I was going to say you can fly the drone inside, right? Yeah. So
1: I can go awesome. in one door, like me, like sanding, going over my head and out the other
0: door. <laughs> so, Sweet. I'm excited for that.
2: Well, that's cool. David, what have you been up to? Well, this week, well, last week we, uh, we brainstormed some ideas on the little pocket business card holder. And, um, although there was lots of great ideas, I, um, I just kind of went with, with one and made it real simple and tried to make a little spring back to hold these business cards in there. But I did it four different ways. I did a power tools and a 3d printed one and a CNC and a laser. And I got some, I got some good feedback from, from the viewers saying they enjoyed the process. And, um, uh, you, you know, a couple people mentioned, well, you still use really, uh, expensive tools to do all these. I would like to see, um, uh, a more budget friendly version. And then a couple people chimed in in a very friendly way. Saying, you know, you could just take some veneers, glue them together, cut them with a um w- with a small handsaw or or razor blade and make this as well. So I thought about over the weekend trying to make the budget friendly version as well, but just didn't have time. But it was uh I wanna it was I, I like the way the video came out. And so I want to do more of multiple ways of of doing things. And then, That's cool. And then this I think
0: that, that people
2: usually respond to that pretty well yeah. when you have multiple options. Yeah. And then this week I am getting a Dodge uh Ram truck dropped off in my driveway tomorrow morning.
0: What?
2: Yeah. Uh uh and I'm doing uh, an Instagram and, and Facebook post for them. No and, kidding. Uh, I don't get to keep it, unfortunately. Um, my, uh, Ooh. yeah, I know my father-in-law <laughs> uh, was asking me if, if this is going to be the thing that turns me into a truck person, but uh, oh, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> I like not having a car payment right now. So, um, so yeah, we're, uh, we're just, we're going to, uh, go to the plywood store and my local hardwood dealer, and we're going to pick up some, some supplies and we're just going to photograph and, and film that. and. So I might not have a YouTube video this week, um, but I'm also writing my channel trailer, and so we, if we have time, we might film that this week. I've been a couple of years ago. I saw this guy speak, and he said, "Get rid of your channel trailer and always put your latest video as your channel trailer as a way to get more views right away." And I don't know that that tactic has has worked for me ver- very well, and so I want to reinforce. Um, what my channel is about and some some branding, so I'm reshooting a channel trailer.
0: That's been on my list to do for a long time too. I was in that same talk with you, and I didn't see a big uh, any evidence of that doing anything for me either. But I never got around to redoing a channel trailer, so mine's still the same one from like <laughs> four years ago or something. But yeah, I've got a bunch of little things like that that I need to shoot, but they're not like. You know, they're not project. They're not the thing that we do on a yeah. weekly basis that we have to get out. It's like channel trailer. I need to shoot new videos for Patreon for like the thank you and the welcome and you know. But like, I don't know. Just hard to make time to do those little things. I've been
1: planning my channel trailer since like 2014. Still thinking about
2: it. <laughs> I also want to do the. Um, I don't know what the technical term is that for it is, but that, that five second bumper at the beginning of the venue video, videos. Bob, you have one and Jimmy you don't I used to and I go back to my old videos I'm like I kind of like what I did there and I want to bring that back just to reinforce what the channel's about and the branding um but it's kind of hard to write a five second video like Mm -hmm. what do I want to show because you don't want it any longer than a few seconds but how can I use that time to to show what I'm what I'm doing so that's something else I'm working on
0: yeah, I think it's, you know, not that you asked me. Well, you did ask a question, so maybe yeah, I'll, I can answer I'm asking it. you. Um, okay. <laughs> I think it's, like, really important to, uh, to, like, distill down the goal of what you're trying to get across and then figure out the mi- bare minimum number of things that you can show, whether it's your work or, you know, abstract ideas, to get that thing across. Mm-hmm. But I think if you don't have that, like, kind of one word or three word, here's the goal, here's the thing that I want somebody to take away from it, I think it's hard to figure out what to put mm-hmm. in that short of a space. Mm-hmm. But.
1: you got to ask yourself, what is the definitive thing in the shop that takes two seconds that you do most often that describes what you do? What is that one action that you could film or animate? What mm. is that one thing? Is it a circular saw blade or a table saw blade or a hammer or a screw or a tap of the hammer or swipe of a plane?
0: What is that one thing? That you can then turn into Maybe. a graphic. It's just you doing like finger guns to the camera. <laughs> <clears throat> what What would yours be, Jimmy? What was your What would your one thing be? Dropping Wait something on the ground. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that
0: last video I did. Oh,
1: by the way, I, I, can I talk for two seconds about my can I talk for two seconds about my commercial? I, I want to apologize officially right here for commercial I recently did and to try and I'm not going to say which one because I don't want to get in trouble but uh, (laughs) I recently did a commercial and everybody beat me up for it and they came to me several times and I finally agreed to do that commercial and I turned off the AdSense in front of it so that people would only get one commercial and not two so I felt like I was doing everybody a little bit of a consolation there and the video is still performing well but anyway the reason I bring that up uh, so again this is my apology for for doing a, a blatant commercial read like I did but in that video, I kept throwing things on the ground just because I didn't have any better thoughts to introduce the parts I was working on. <laughs> it was the, uh, the video where I made a steel stand-up blacksmith vice. And I got a lot of comments privately about people laughing like, how can you hear anymore? Why do you keep throwing things on the ground? And so if I had to do like a channel intro, it might be me throwing things on the ground, like maybe my steel logo. <laughs> I have a big steel one that I cut last year when I made this half-inch steel sign. And on the, the palette of the, the CNC, I told them to, to cut out my logo. So I have a logo in half-inch steel, which is about four feet long. So I might just do like a quick intro of me throwing that down, if I ever did. And they, actually, the guys from this old house did that shoot with a smaller steel plate. And they used that on their, when they were introducing me to the show, which was cool. So my, my thing would be just throwing something on the ground. I like the noise and the visual.
2: I would like to comment on your on your read, your your yes. sponsor read. And you you do this fun little thing where you have the, the sped up audio and it goes back to, to normal. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> um I find that I find that so interesting and and fun and it's unique and I've never seen anybody else do that. And so I think the negative reaction you got is just because this is something different that you haven't normally yeah. done. If you did it more, right. it wouldn't be such, such a big deal. Right. I recently, um, signed a deal with this company that I'm, uh, I'll just go ahead and, and say it. Uh, it's, it's a company called design Crowd, And basically like you, uh, you, you, say, Hey, I need a logo. And then a bunch of designers design a logo and you pick a winner. That's basically how it works. And I got called out by a couple people saying, Hey, you used to be a graphic designer. Um, you know, what, what, what is it called? Spec work. Yeah. Spec work. Um, used to be a graphic designer. I can't believe you support this. And I didn't even, it didn't, I didn't think about it. It didn't, it didn't hit me. Um, and, and so I kind of, uh, I kind of feel bad. I didn't get a lot of negative feedback, just a, a couple of people spoke up and um I have two more videos to do with them. And so I, I, I and I have to fulfill my commitment. So I'm going to I just kind of want to say I I don't know what I want to say. I, I if you are angry at me for that and you are a graphic designer and you um I, I hear you and I, don't know what I have to
1: say, a, a couple of people I've yeah. seen similar comments, and I think the world is changing so fast for every industry, and I think every industry has to adapt. It's, it's. I'm not saying it's positive or negative. It just is what it is. And if people are making logos a lot easier than they used to be, you know, there's a lot of things that are a lot easier than they used to be. Uh, I mean, when the computer actually came out, it put out a whole generation of designers that never use the computer. They literally were walking around like zombies with absolutely nothing to do. Mm -hmm. So there's always moments in time where you have to readapt to whatever your industry is.
0: Well, I think, okay, so this is dicey territory because I had a contract with them as well and did a video. And um, part of contracts like that, in case you are not aware, is that you are not supposed to say anything negative about that company for a certain period of time after you do work with them. So I'm saying that as a way to <laughs> not say a lot of things <laughs> right now, but I did have that same kind of response um, that you had, David, from certain people. And I think the big concern uh, is is not that that logos are being done easier. It's that people are, there are designers out there doing work without the guarantee of payment. Now, for me, that's not that's just part of the way capitalism kind of works. Like, you know, I wouldn't put myself in that position. I wouldn't do a bunch of work without being guaranteed to be paid for it. But that's certainly a viable option for somebody who is a designer and who can, you know, create work and and put that in that pool. I think the problem from designers' perspective, graphic designers' perspective, is that that lowers the potential income industry-wide because it takes the bar for cost down really far. And so I kind of get that like someone who makes their living at being a graphic designer then has to compete with people who are willing to do it for free, basically, you know, and that's a problem as an, as an industry. So I understand the frustration and the struggle. And to me, it was not like you, David, it was not something I even considered being Mm -hmm. a problem until people brought it to my attention. Um, And I decided to not continue on that relationship just because I whether it's a big deal or not, it's not worth me being on anyone's side of mm-hmm. a situation that I don't fully understand and I'm not invested in. Like, it just doesn't, yeah. you know, it didn't make sense. So
2: I, I, I do want to say that, um, you know, you can know when it, the, the service is really cool because I'm um, I'm, I'm getting these design. I got these designs from people from all over the world. And you can go and look at their profile and you can see like these people are doing this for a living. And this is a great way for people to reach out and and do something like this. This this wouldn't be possible for them a few years ago. When um I went to school for graphic design and then I ended up being a web developer, kind of transitioned into that role. And uh when when these websites started coming out where like, you can have a website for $99, you know, as a web developer, (laughs) I felt threatened because I worked for an agency and a website for, for a business would cost, you know, anywhere from $5,000 to $50,000, depending on what you want, because it was custom built. And then these $99 websites came out and I was like, this is, this is going to put us all out of business. And the boss is like, no, these are for people who, uh, you know coca-cola is not going to go buy a 99 dollars website they are going to have something custom built for them so we are always still going to be fine because because these brands need that's something that's that's very custom for them and now look at me i am moving my website over to squarespace as a former web developer who built his own website i'm so sick of it not working at times that I'm switching over to a service that's doing it all, all for me. So you're right, Jimmy, times are changing. And I, just hearing what both of you said actually makes me feel better about, about this deal that, that I'm in. So.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's it's weird being, signing an agreement with someone um, and feeling like you need to fulfill that agreement. Like, you know, obviously we want to like, Stay true to our word. We want to fulfill our commitments. But uh, my agent, when when this whole situation came up with this particular brand that you're talking about, I you know brought it to him and I said, like, I'm I'm kind of uneasy about this. I don't know whether it's a big deal or not, but it just makes me uneasy to be in this kind of middle position between something that people are saying is bad for them and something you know it's like they're paying me and I don't know. And <clears throat> his response, which I thought was fantastic and true to my feeling, is that like your audience. Is your audience? You only get one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Brand deals will come and go. There will be thousands of them over the course of your career. So, if a brand deal has a, you know, if there's a potential that that brand deal, that short amount of money, can negatively influence the one audience you have, then get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, done. <laughs> you know, that's it. Totally makes sense. He was totally like in the right for somebody who makes their money on me getting brand deals. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty stand up thing to say. So. Yeah. Uh, That gave me some confidence and, you know, reinstilled in my brain that like, of course the audience is the most important thing. And if it makes, if it alienates the audience for me to do a brand deal, then I don't need to do that brand deal.
1: Yeah. Well, I I went back a couple of times and told my agent, I was like, this isn't really going to fit with my audience. And they kept pushing. I said, no, they want to do it. I was like, my audience knows that I don't do this activity or that it's not something I've ever advocated for in any way, shape or form. And he goes, they keep pushing. So I said no to them a couple of times, and then I finally went for it. And I just try to make the read fun and interesting because if I was reading, if I was hired as a voiceover guy, I would try and do my best to read mm-hmm. excited and fun. And
0: and I like... I uh, haven't seen this video. I, now I'm really curious. <laughs> you, show, you can tell us which one it is. Uh,
1: and uh, and I, I shrink my voice because when I am editing my reads, I do it choppy. I, I just, I try to read each line individually. And then i just piece them together because my i like the jump cut style and then i i'll shrink the sound i'll shrink the clip to pitch my voice higher because it's fun for me <laughs> I, it kind of reminds me of those crazy car commercials where it's like the tractor pulling and, and it's like here we'd have a english town raceway <laughs> english town speedway in new jersey when i was a kid they used to have like a high-pitched guy <laughs> saying it he would just do the personal read and then they would Pitch his voice higher and speed it up. Hmm. So I think of those kind of things, and uh, it just makes me laugh. So I, I do it to entertain myself, and I got a lot of feedback on it from friends that are like, "Oh my god, that's so funny! You were so sarcastic." I was like, "I don't think I really was." I was like, dude,
2: <laughs> you were so sarcastic. I was like, "I don't think so."
1: <laughs> anyway, it was fun, and the video's performing much better than I expected. So, yeah. the great
2: thing um, when I started doing the brand deals. Uh, I was I was very worried that back, you know, back in the agency days, like you, the brand would give you things to talk about. So when we recorded voiceovers for these companies, whatever, we stuck to the script. And but that's not really the case as being um a YouTuber. They, yeah, they, they would give us talking personal. points and they're like, use your own voice. Talk to your audience the way you would talk to your audience. And so uh, it, it has been a, a very pleasant experience. And I. Um, um, and and all. It, rarely, it's very rare that I'll record the the spot, and then the company come back and say, "Hey, we need to redo this."
0: Yeah, I, I think they, for the most part, they get it. They understand that yeah. you know people watch us because they like something about us or something that we do, and they want to enforce or help reinforce that rather than trying to override it.
1: But I, I really love the more integrated brand deals I get that are just it's just ever present it's not anything that i have to really have to talk about so that's really what i always like to push for
2: I, those few sometimes. Like, that i was gonna say the integrated ones put a lot more pressure on me so if it's a um if it's a tool company or whatever and they want me to use the tool in the thing i always i feel like that's a higher pressure deal for me and like okay was this video good enough for them? Or if it's <laughs> totally unrelated to what I'm doing and I just have right. to record a 45 second spot, that's That's a
1: great that's a great point of view. Yeah. 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 Me and Brett have fun with it. We just try and just do some cool shots and you know, yeah. we, we do some like almost like uh, over the top stuff just because it's like, hey, it's we're not trying to hide anything here. Let's have fun with a couple of shots. Like, you know, i grab the a couple of times I've grabbed the tool out of the shot like as a transition and I pull it away from the camera. <laughs> And it's it's we have a little bit of fun with it.
0: So I haven't talked about what I'm doing. What are you doing, Bob? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Just kidding. Um <clears throat> I let's see, what did I do this week? So this week we got a video coming out that's um it's really simple, but it was kind of a fun little thing to do. Uh I made and other people have done this for sure, but I made like a little like What did I call it? Plywood dolly thing. And so it's this small little board with um some casters on the bottom and a little locking cam thing on the side. So you set it underneath a piece of plywood on one end and then you lock the cam onto it, and then you can pick up the other end of the plywood and it it rolls the opposite end. So you like like pick up one end like a
1: skate on a piece of plywood.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's really simple, and I I did one quickly, not for video, just to get it done so I could move plywood sheets by myself easily, because I have like a bum shoulder, and so the older I get, the more the shoulder hurts, and the more a three quarter inch sheet of plywood is, is like, heavy, harder like harder like and harder, harder. heavier and me. heavier
1: as you get older.
0: That's yeah. <laughs> weird. It really does. Um, have a similar. So time. this is the first step in me like getting old and starting to make tools to make jobs easier. <laughs> but you gotta hire somebody. Yeah. So. So, I made this little thing, and it kind of worked, and then we started brainstorming like, "Oh well, what would be a better way to do it and I drew up three ideas on the whiteboard, and kind of we were Josh and I were just talking through them going like, "Well, this one like kind of would work, but here's the problem oh, this one would be a little bit better and then we went through this whole thing, spent like thirty minutes you know talking about the easiest way to construct these things and why which one would work better and easier and all these things and I'm like, "Well, this would make a good video." Not just the build of the two-second little thing, but how did we get to that? So we'll see. I haven't actually seen the edit of the video yet. Um, I should have it today or tomorrow. But it's halfway about like the design process and coming up with, like, here's the problem, here's a way that I solved it, and then two better ways to solve it, and we're going to pick the best one to make and then make it quickly. And it turned out it works really well. It's super fast and easy to make. But the fact that it locks onto the board with a little cam, it's got, it's actually got two cams, one on each side, but I figured out that I really only needed one of them. Um, but once you lock it on there, it works really well. And you could do two sheets of three quarter inch plywood by yourself with no problem at all. And so that's kind of cool. So hopefully people will like it, but it's definitely not like a groundbreaking kind of thing. You know, other people have done stuff like that, but hopefully people will like the brainstorming to, you know, fruition of the idea.
1: Yeah. Brainstorming is always fun to watch on anybody's channel to see how they got to where they're going. Got to where they where they are.
0: Yeah. And then um so that's this week. And then I started working on a chair uh for outdoor was like our backyard kind of a lounge chair. And it was funny because I I started by designing a bench and then it turned into an individual seat that you could stack multiple together to make a bench. And then it turned into a lounge chair with a back. <laughs> and it was like this big, you know, it just changed over time, changed over time. And uh, then I got this thing, it turned into steel from wood. And so it's a combination of steel and wood. And I got this whole thing built and I got it done yesterday. And I looked at it and I'm like, that looks a lot like Jimmy's bench. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Which one? You're, the one in the city, like the steel and was oh. it teak or? Yeah, teak? yeah, it was uh,
1: it was a. Uh... Not Teak, but I forget, uh, Ipe. Somebody had built a deck yeah. and left me all the cutoffs, and they used the cutoff yeah. Ipe, yeah.
0: So it has kind of that same vibe. It's, it's a different, you know, it's a slouchy kind of lounge chair, but mm-hmm. it's a steel frame, square tubing with, uh, you know, panels across it. So I realized that after the fact. So, mm-hmm. it was, you know, when everybody comes and says,
1: you stole Jimmy's design.
0: <laughs> um, Just say
1: you bought it from my website. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ten bucks.
0: <laughs> well, no, the, what made me think about it was I did this whole thing and I left the the top bar behind your head, um, it's square tubing. And so I left those open ends and I was looking at that going like, okay, I should, I can cover those or, oh yeah, Jimmy did that thing one time where he hammered in pieces of wood into the end of the open bar. And I'm like, wait a minute, was that on a bench? Wait, I need to go look at the bench. And then I looked at the bench and I'm like, huh, <laughs> it's, it's similar. <laughs> So what I'm going to do in the video is actually say like I'm going to hammer these things in, and I got this idea from my friend Jimmy, and he made a bench that's you know yeah, kind of do it that way after the fact. But Thank I you. know everybody's going to be like, you just ripped off Jimmy. <laughs> so.
1: Everybody. Anyway, off. which
0: know. actually kind of gets us to uh, Ooh. What we were going to talk about. Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you want to you want to take this, Jimmy? You the one oh, that yeah. brought the idea? Yeah,
1: Kevin, my buddy Kevin, and I often have philosophical conversations, and and we uh, recently. He gave me an idea to talk about on the podcast and he's saying uh, he's been considering, I'm going to read his text a little bit. I've been considering what it is about certain people that I find particularly interesting and he went on to mention a couple of examples and he said he'd be curious to hear a discussion on the topic of whether inspiration comes from ideas or individuals. So we all have people that inspire us personally. Now, is it their ideas or is it their personality or their charisma or whatever it is about those people that inspire us? And so, it's a, pretty, it's a little deep, but I think we could probably pull some interesting conversation out of this concept. Now, I, I thought a little bit about it, and I find I get inspired by personal creative process. And, and I'm going to talk a little bit early in the conversation about my, uh, my pick for the week. And you know how YouTube churns up, hey, maybe you like this person, maybe you like that person. I listen to a lot of music. And Towns Van Zant popped up on the sidebar. Now, Towns Van Zant is a name I've been hearing my whole life. I thought, I don't, know, I don't know exactly who he is or what he is. is he's a writer or a songwriter. I never knew really. And I clicked on the video, and Towns Van Zant is a songwriter. And now I know everything about him. And it's something about his charisma, his songwriting ability, the things he writes about, the fact that he's famous because all of his songs are sung by other people, uh, including, for instance. Uh, Dead Flowers by the Rolling Stones. It was actually one of the first songs I heard on YouTube that he sang. I'm like, oh wow, he's singing the Rolling Stones song. I'm like, oh no wait, the Rolling Stones are singing his song. And Pancho and Lefty by Willie Nelson is a song that he wrote. And so, something about his charisma, his whatever sadness he had, which caused him to write all these a lot of really sad songs, but there's a real human element to all of his music, which... And I've only just listening for the last 10 days. And so there's a person that inspires me to like really get in touch with like what it is about what drives his own personal artistic drive. And it's just this guy. And, and a lot of times I, I always say entrepreneurs are born, they're not made. Rock stars are born, they're not made. And it's like the person is just like, you see these rock stars, they're all like rail thin and like, they're just so eccentric. Like for instance, like Steven Tyler comes to mind. Like you. I don't think anybody can grow up to decide to be that they're just, they are who they are. And so that's, that's part of what inspires me is like seeing people like that and thinking like they were, they were put here. I'm not very religious, but they were put here by a higher power to, to be exactly who they are. And so that inspires me is to see the lifestyle and I'm getting a little too long winded here, but the lifestyle and and the artistic expression of somebody's life, and uh most recently for me it's been towns van zandt as a songwriter and a poet and it's, it's pretty amazing work if you haven't listened to him he's uh, he sings a lot of sad cowboy songs and a lot of songs we all know because a lot of his songs were then re-recorded by famous people more famous than him so i'll stop the conversation off and end it there
2: i <laughs> i uh, i have a different view on things i don't think people are put here to do a thing. I think uh whether it's a musician or an artist or uh anybody who creates something, I think that creativity it, and that persona is a, a collection of experiences that makes that person. So you'll you'll find like a, a a lot of a lot of rock stars, you know, they grew up in um you know, poor poor conditions. I mean, like this this can go, um, with, with with all genres, not just rock. But like, and and maybe even um, sports heroes. You they maybe they grow up and they don't. They're not in the ideal situation, and so they find this thing where they surround themselves with people with uh that are like minded and they become really good at playing the guitar because that's their way of escaping from where they're at or they become really good at at playing a sport because that's 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 their that's their ticket to uh, a, a a different life and um so i don't think i was born super creative i think i just made the decision that I want to be creative. And I think creativity is something that you learn and the more that uh, at least in my experience the more I do something the better I get at it. So if I want to be really good at drawing cartoons and I can't draw cartoons and I am not a humorous person when it comes to writing out scripts, but if I drew a cartoon every single day, I would imagine a year to a year or two from now that I would be good at it I would be more humorous I would find I would be good at coming up with stories and I think um you know like um your, your your friend who wrote you that that email he mentions Casey Neistat in there and I think Casey Neistat is such a great storyteller because he tells so many stories he has so much experience that allows him to get better and right now he's just our generation's best storyteller in my opinion
0: and it's funny because i agree with both of you and i think those two ideas that you both just said are not mutually exclusive i mean i think you know i know that purpose and like why we're here is not what we're talking about but i i i don't think we have to separate those things out as they're you know one or the other Mm -hmm. um because i kind of feel like they're both pretty integral to who i am and to who a lot of people who have a have a thing that they're going towards in their life. Maybe purpose is the word, maybe drive, maybe uh, goal, whatever. But I think both of those things can inform how that person becomes who they are and how they get to the thing that they're trying to get to pretty easily. But as far as like the original, you know, conversation, like the the people versus idea, I mean, I think both of those things can certainly be the case to just about anybody. Like I know that, you know, I, I started to say, Maybe a personality type would be to be more inspired by an idea. You know, minimalism as an idea may inspire a certain personality type versus a personality, a person may inspire uh, a particular type of person. I just said personal a bunch of times. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. people can be inspired differently by different stuff. But I think, really, um, I'll speak for myself, I have been inspired by certain ideas and certain people for different reasons. And they, they have an effect on me in different ways. When I look at, when I think about people, um, interesting. Okay. So I started to say, (laughs) I'm, I'm figuring this out. I haven't really thought through this. I started to say, well, Jimmy, I'm really inspired. I've always been really inspired by your work ethic. That's weird because that's an idea that was funneled through a personality, you know? So like, By watching what you do and the way that you take an idea and you implement it into, you're always getting things done. You're always productive. You always get the idea that you want to get out in some way. You use different processes and different tools and different whatevers to get that thing out of your head into reality. And I think of that as work ethic, which is an idea, which is a bigger non-personal thing. So that's kind of interesting. That maybe some of these people that we're inspired by are just like a conduit for an idea, you know, a bigger idea uh, to come through.
1: Huh. Well, you know, what, you know what's funny. I just, I'm having, again, I'm, I'm kind of coming to some conclusions while we're talking that I really hadn't thought of. There are times, and I, I bring up Towns Van Zandt and another songwriter. I'm just on songs because songs really inspire my, my personal everyday. Um, I'm a big Nick Cave fan. And I remember hearing a couple of Nick Cave songs. I dated a girl and she put on Nick Cave. I'm like, who is that? She's like oh that's Nick Cave you never heard of him like I never have and so we, she kept playing that album and then it got to a point where the boatman's call it got to a point where I'm like I have to know more about this guy what inspires him to write this music so it was that album that I first listened to and then a couple of Towns Van Zandt songs on YouTube in the last couple of days where then I then I have to research the person and I have to understand what it is that drives them to do what they do I, and the same thing with uh, you know with artwork and artists and you know, I've always been, ever ever since I was young, I've always been inspired by Richard Serra, the uh, artist who does big steel work. And then I delved into his career. But it wasn't until I saw a few of his ideas that made me start to research what he does. And then another artist, Richard Chamberlain from the 50s, who would crush cars. He had his own car cop actor in his backyard and he would get car parts and crush them together in certain parts. And that inspired my work when I did the crushed car tables. I mean, that was a direct result of seeing his work at the Museum of Modern Art when I was in my early 20s and so that is typically what happens i'll i'll stumble upon a, a concept or an expression of somebody's work and i s- just satiate myself with that whatever it is and then i'm like i need to know more about this person it usually doesn't really happen the other way around like it's like it's almost like tentacles and then i need to go to the mothership and figure out why those tentacles are what they are you know what i mean
2: yeah yeah
1: so that's 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 been my personal experience. Like and uh he another example that that Kevin uses is jesse James, and early on when I'm like this guy's incredible i mean aside from his personality and his and his his uh, his ethics his he does incredible work, he does it constantly, everything around him doesn't interfere with his work, so seeing his work originally on the early days of Discovery Channel and the History Channel, and then starting to get to know more about him and how. He's just constantly in his shop. Jesse James, I'm talking about. And his work is just, it, it is what it is. What he is. His work is him. And he went and learned blacksmithing and he figured all that out. He was the first person that I noticed in this blacksmith boon that took place in the last seven or eight years. He was the first person. I'm like, wait, he went and learned blacksmithing? Why would he need to do that? He knows how to do everything. But that just set him in a whole new direction of artistic expression. So. It, it is ideas that lead to me getting to know the people. So mm. that, that's that's something
2: I didn't really think hmm. about. I won't, I'm going to I'm going to reverse that uh, because I, a few years ago I watched a documentary on Ray and Charles Eames, and that got me really into them. Yep. And I think that's what set me off into this mid-century modern um, style. And it turns out, so I have I have a few books, and this is a mid-century modern. Book called Mid Century Modern Complete, and there are a hundred different designers in here. And when you when I start digging in, that um, these people took me to an idea, a collection, and they weren't the ones that created a lot of these styles. They they are inspired by by other people. And then there's there's this whole world of amazing designers and it's it's not it's not just furniture but it's it's architecture and pottery and and clothing and posters and um so it's it's the people that took me to to the i to the idea and it allows me to uh dig in And, and the same thing goes with with music like if you if you're a big rolling stones fan you and you want to dive into figure out what inspired them, you're going to go and you're going to see all these blues music- musicians from the thirties and forties that like, you can just, you can keep going further into the idea and dig it in and, and, and finding um, everybody's inspired by, by, by somebody else.
0: Yeah. I think music is, is really awesome for that particular like um, genealogy thing, because like all music is derivative of the thing before it all of it, every single bit of it. And you can pretty clearly follow back modern music. Like as of, you know, two weeks ago, you can pretty clearly follow that back to the beginning of sound of recorded or written you know, music or whatever. And it's one of the few things I think, I mean, I guess kind of maybe art is that way too. You can see a lot of style progression over time. That's, you know, this artist was, by, you know, inspired by this period, which was created by this one artist, which came from this one place or whatever, but music is so easy to find a direct lineage from whatever you're listening to right now, straight back. And that's really cool. I love finding that stuff. And it's always kind of surprising um, if you do start to trace something back, what led to the thing that you like now that you feel like is so modern or so new or so whatever and you're like oh huh that's totally ripped off of something from 18 whatever you know some guy that wrote a thing in vienna or <laughs> you know it's really cool how that stuff is all connected um as far as like the you know you were talking about the people and the ideas um i i was trying to sit here and think of individuals who have really caught my attention who like make me want to do more of what i do and Trying to figure out why that is, like what it is about them that is, you know, that catches my attention, <clears throat> makes them stand out. And I was thinking about um, Jack Conti again, and I've talked about him a lot of times, and trying to figure out like what it is that's so catchy about him. There's something about Jack that is, is like fiery, and, and, and I, Never really thought about what it was, but I think it's actually similar to what I was talking about with you, Jimmy, is like there's a work ethic, there's a passion behind you know, I started paying attention to Jack when he was making music full-time, and the ferocity that he put into his music, and whether it was making covers of other people's stuff or writing his own and trying to figure out new ways to produce music, he just had this like fire behind him to do that, and then he switched to a software company where he's creating this thing for other people to do what they want to do and he has at least the same amount of ferocity behind it if not more this like passion that just drives him and makes him almost a crazy person for what he's doing and so it's not necessarily that I'm super uh, inspired by software companies (laughs) or by music videos but the fact that that dude is willing to put every single bit of what he has into the thing that he believes in and the thing that he wants to further and the fact that it's now patreon it's it's much more outward facing right so he's putting his passion into something that is for other people granted it's a company he's making money i'm not trying to like gloss over that but he's creating a thing for other people to be able to make a living at the thing that they're passionate about and so i think he was you know just one example of a few people i was trying to think of and why they're interesting to me or why I gravitate towards them. And I think a lot of it is just, they have a thing, whatever the thing is that they care about, but they are so driven to go after that thing almost to a fault, you know, like they will set aside things that maybe you shouldn't set aside to follow that passion wholeheartedly. And I think that's an interesting, uh, model, even though like I, i 've got different lines of of my priority for my life like my you know I wouldn't want to set aside my family life uh my wife any of that stuff to any degree for the sake of pursuing i like to make stuff like they're first, but the idea of fully chasing it with everything I've got that's not directed to the family that's pretty awesome and that's that's something that motivates me to stay productive constantly
2: i I totally yeah. see the connection on why you Uh, And why you like Jack Conte so much. He's, he's a crazy positive person. I don't think I've ever seen him say a negative thing ever. And I I see similar traits in you, Bob, whenever you do want to speak in a negative way about something, you, you pause, you think about it and you look for the the best way to phrase it. (laughs) And um, so you both are crazy positive people. Um, He's, creative and and um runs a business like you run a business uh is a musician just just like you and so i see a lot of the connections there with jack hansen hmm. um if there's if there's one person that uh inspires me more than anybody else it's probably jack white for me just because uh he has pivoted so many times um you know, you know he was in this in this this one band that had a, a particular look and sound, and then just that band ended and then he starts a record label and and then um, started three other bands all at the same time and um now runs a publishing company, a record label is in three and four bands and um, does all these crazy things in a time where music is kind of hard to. I don't know. Music is just different than it was 10 20 years ago. And so it's it's uh it, it to be creative is I think a little bit more difficult because there's more outlets for people to express themselves. And he's doing things that nobody else has ever done and I just find that so so creative. And so I'm very inspired by him. I've stolen ideas from him like in my videos. I wear red every single video. There's a few videos in the in the past where I had to do laundry or whatever, but that 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 look. I want people to associate that that's a dude in the red shirt. And when you when you watch him live now, he's always in blue, blue and black, and like and so that's just kind of an idea that that I that I stole from him. And it all has to do with identity and and um that that ritual and that being that icon. I don't know if that's the right word, but um I. I, the line is blurred between stealing and inspiration sometimes. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: Well, since you guys both talked about someone that inspires you, I mean, I don't know if this is the ultimate answer for me, but, uh, while you were talking, I was thinking of Leonardo da Vinci for me personally, because he seemed like a loner that would just constantly try to problem solve stuff. And that's my mind at idle is constantly problem solving stuff. Like now I have to build and last, since my final conversation with Filson and we agreed, my mind is just, how do I problem solve where it's going to be made, how it's going to be made, the the things that I don't have personal experience with watching Nick do it. When I watched Nick through the camera, when I filmed him do it 10 years ago and the various videos online. So in the background of my mind, my, my brain is just churning. And another thing that I've been really spending a lot of brain power on, I talked about this, I'm kind of trying to problem solve some of the uh, ancient Egyptian, how they move stuff. There's been lots of videos on it, but I have a what I think is a new approach to a few different things and one in particular, which is on my Patreon there's a video of me demonstrating how the obelisk was raised. And I just got feedback from Bob Breyer, Dr. Bob Breyer from Long Island University. He's like a premier Egyptologist. And I met him through the internet and he responded right away. He emailed me back yesterday. And he said, he goes, this is a very interesting idea. Let's have a meeting on it. So that validates my my thought process. And so when I think of who inspires me, it's definitely Da Vinci where it's just, he's just constantly problem solving from warfare, uh, to flight, to you know, I'm just thinking of the visuals, the casting the giant horse, all the different things that he just put his mind to work on. And when I think of someone like him or other artists I've been inspired by, the few I mentioned and some others, and how they're just constantly thinking and problem solving and keeping notes of what it is in their idle subconscious mind. That's it, that's kind of the life I live and. I guess it's a choice, but it just feels like this is why I'm here, in a way.
2: Mm-hmm. This natural. Hmm.
0: You know, one thing that might be interesting, we've talked about people that inspire us before. We've had full episodes on specific people. Um, but there's always a bunch of different reasons why, and, I, and we all just said that. Like, yeah. There's different reasons why these people are, mean something to us or give us an idea or whatever it might be interesting in the future to do an episode about people that inspire us for one particular reason. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what this would look like, but like we decide ahead of time, uh, let's all think of somebody who were inspired by because of their failures or because of their hurdles or because of their expertise or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like something like that and have a very specific response to, because I think there's a bunch of different reasons why people have meaning to us, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. uh, get us to be interested in them so anyway just a thought yeah um you guys got anything else on this anybody else you want to talk about or we're running a
2: little long just quickly i think a lot of times um we're inspired by people's style and sometimes that style may have come from solving a, a problem and let's say uh like so there's a video style now of, like of jump, jump cuts and that, that probably came from somebody not knowing how to edit. And like this is the best way for me to make a quick, punchy video is to just do a bunch of jump cuts. And now that's a style. So um, look for problems that you have, solve that, and make that your thing.
1: Yeah. I love jump cuts. Yeah. <laughs> I think jump cuts me come too. from a time before when people, it was just the appropriate idea to just read an entire line without any breaks. And maybe they were more prepared to read the material or to do the material. And then when people started doing things more spontaneous, they're like, oh, wait, oh, I I messed that up. And then edit is probably one. all right, enough. I don't want to hear the same thing again. We got up to this word. Just go from that word on. (laughs) I'll blend it. And then, you know, one from like the soft, quick cross dissolve or, you know, you cover it with another take of a cutaway or whatever. And now just like jump cut it whatever. I can imagine like a time when jump cuts were just like, all no, right, we'll, we'll fix this up. But listen, what do you think? What do you think of the dialogue? Oh, we'll, we'll fix up the jump cuts. Right. And then they just, I ah, just leave the jump cuts.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'd, like, I'd started doing jump cuts in my, um, in my videos. Cause I watched wheezy waiter and he had this really snappy, like it's, he has comedy in his videos and it's snappy. And that's what makes it funny. Like if he drew the same conversation out over like twice the amount of time, it wouldn't have been as funny, you know? And so the, how quickly his stuff was cut together, granted, I'm not doing comedy, but I like really loved how efficient it was, you know, and like mm-hmm. there was no dead space. And then, so when I started thinking about how do I make, you know, semi instructional videos really concise, I'm like, well, cut out all the dead space, like every single bit and make it as concise as possible. And that just ended up becoming the way that I did all the stuff that I do. Um, let me thank our Patreon supporters before we talk about, and this will give you guys a chance to figure out what your pick is, in case you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, everybody that supports us on Patreon, we really are grateful for it. And we do a little after show that everybody has access to, and it's on Patreon. It's a separate audio file. It's on its own RSS feed and you get it just by signing signing up on Patreon and supporting us at any level. But I gotta shout out our uh, top tier people that help us out. Uh, Wise Old Dal, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Malt and Make. See, okay, I gotta move the order. This is why I, I stumble on that every time. It's Wise Old Dal, Evan and Caitlin, then there's Corey Ward, and then there's Malt and Make. So there's two ands and Corey, poor Corey, good old Corey is right there in the middle. <laughs> so I'm going to start calling him Corey Ward. and Ward. Malton make works by solo. Michael Schubert, Dor Sharir, Chad from man and make build modify. I really appreciate you guys. Um, and if you want to support the show, you can go to patreoncom slash making it and help us out. That'd be awesome. Thank you.
2: What you got, what you watching the Q. Listen to, this whatever. is a channel called the Q. I probably have mentioned them before but i'm going to mention them again because i really want you guys to check this out uh this person does some really creative stuff um uh, making things out of uh, uh, um like popsicle sticks and toothpicks and lots of cardboard and in his latest video he created a an egg opener so it like cracks an egg and and oh, splits cool. it perfectly and it's it's engineered very well and it's in a very a very efficient tool so just a really clever channel that you may learn something and it's a huge channel it's got like 3.8 million subscribers so maybe you already know about it but really cool wow.
1: well so I mentioned it already that I've been listening to a lot of Towns Van Zant, and I discovered them on YouTube so I'll make that my pick of the week if you don't if you like depressing cowboy music <laughs> sung by the writer himself Check out Towns Van I mean to sell it. Yeah. No, it's good. It's really good stuff. <laughs> and you'll, like I said, you'll discover a lot of songs you'll, you've heard other people sing and made famous, not knowing where they were originated. You might discover a gem.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to listen because I've never heard his name. So it'd be cool to hear some like, songs that I already know and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um, my pick is, I've talked about the first season of this show, and the second season just came out the other day, The Toys That Made Us. It's a Netflix uh, documentary series, and it's all about toys, like toy specific toy brands or companies. Um, and they're about an hour long episode, just about how a toy came about, and you know all the ups and downs of the toy business over whatever the the life of this toy is. So the first season they had, you know, it was about Star Wars toys and GI Joe and He Man and is it Barbie? something else? Yes, Barbie. That's right. And then the second season, uh, Transformers, Lego, uh, Hello Kitty, and some, uh, Star Trek. So the cool thing, though, is like I'm, I'm a Transformers fan, so I was interested to hear about that. And it's a, there's a really kind of funny s- cyclical story of like branding and licensing stuff that happens in there that I didn't know about. So that was kind of funny. And then uh, the Lego one is really cool, just to see the ups and downs of a company that you think of has just always been there. They haven't actually always been there. But when you think of Lego, you think, like, they've never had a problem, right? They've always been there. They're always a staple for children. And it turns out they almost went bankrupt, like, 10 times or something and barely made it through a bunch of different seasons. And so there's some kind of cool stuff. And you get to see a lot of toys that you may have had growing up or stuff that you never had. Um, It's a good show. It's like a well-made kind of fun documentary about toys. Check it out. And it's on Netflix.
1: You guys want to know a fun fact about me?
0: Of course. Yes. I don't know
1: if I ever said this. Uh, The the Hello Kitty uh, ViewMaster reel I made in twenty thirteen. I designed and set up the. I learned how to make a ViewMaster viewing thing. If if anybody even knows what a ViewMaster is
0: anymore, click click. So (laughs) the actual view, like the the viewer, that's what you're talking about. Well, we
1: did. Yeah, I, I worked for a small toy company just before my YouTube took off and. I was kind of a subcontractor and I worked there for a few months and the project I worked on most mostly was the ViewMaster. We designed the plastic housing and because there wasn't a big staff, I designed the plastic housing with a, with a crew people with like three people from the factory and from the company. And then actually the, the slides that you look at that you that go in, the stories, the seven cell stories, I designed those. And then the, specifically for the hello kitty one, I was able to do all the, uh, The offsetting so that you see a 3D image when you look through the camera. I did all the Hello Kitty ones because that was easy because it was just simple. It wasn't like full-on Photoshop. It was more like Illustrator. Mm. So we were able to get all the Hello Kitty scenes with Illustrator vectors. So it was easy for me to do that. So I I alleviated the artist who was doing all the Photoshop version and I did the Illustrator version. So to make an offset stereo image is a little complicated. Once you learn it, it's fairly easy, but... I did all the stereo images for the Hello Kitty set because huh. I'm a huge Hello Kitty fan too.
0: <laughs> I was getting ready to say that. I was getting ready to say.
1: It.
0: <laughs> uh. Let me hide my Hello Kitty lunchbox. Move it off camera. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. You guys got anything else? We got we got secret after show stuff to talk about. Yeah. Oh,
1: cool. So I want to give a little shout out to my bro, Derek. Derek, I love you. Oh Oh.
0: No. Oh.
1: he just texted me and said, <laughs> tell, <laughs> and said tell me you love me on the show uh, <laughs> you,
0: you, you have no idea how many texts you're going to get now that say that. <laughs> cool well All thanks right. for listening everybody and uh, we'll see you next week bye guys bye I love you you gotta say it you gotta say it Jimmy
1: oh, what? oh I said I love you I said I love you to Derek
2: Oh, such a letdown to Bob.